This is Coffee Number Five. I'm your host, Lara Schmoisman. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Coffee Number Five. Today, uh, I was thinking about my legacy and also from where I come from. And it's hard. It's hard many times to change your traditions or to change who you are for where you are. Uh, I had to learn, like growing in Argentina, I never considered myself Latina. I considered mm-hmm. myself many things, but I never had to think about if I was Latina or not. And when I moved to the States, I suddenly became many things. I became an immigrant and I became a Latina also. And I was like, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had to learn how to identify myself as a, as a Latina. Mm. Uh, so today I'm very excited because I have someone that I've been following for a while as a guest, but also someone I can pronounce the, the name without making a mistake. So welcome, Ana Flores. <laughs> welcome, Ana Flores. Uh, muchas gracias. Glad to be here. I'm so glad to have you here. I mean, I am being fascinated when I found out about uh, We All Grow Latinas. And so why not tell us a little bit about your background and how how you became part of We All Grow Latinas and what's your mission? Oh, well, I founded it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it, it birthed and grew out of me. Um, I Yes, um, my background, I am... A first-generation Latina, born in Houston, Texas. My parents are both from El Salvador, and I grew up in El Salvador. My dad's well, I grew up between both countries. My dad still lives in Houston, and so I grew up coming back and forth, you know, with this dual, uh, bilingual, binational identity. And um, I, I feel it just really defined me, right, without even understanding how I was always with one foot here, one foot there, learning about both, you know, being and completely immersed in both cultures, right? When I would come to Houston, my dad remarried and had two more kids. So there were six kids in his house in suburban Houston, plus my sister and I, eight kids. So our summers were very much like, you know, North American U.S. kids, suburb kids summers. And then I would go back to El Salvador where I had um, a privileged life because, um, you know, we were in the middle of the civil war and all that. So I did, you know, I, I, I grew up with those contrasts, really understanding the idiosyncrasies of, of, of being a Salvadorena, Central American and being, um, also North American. So I, I, my background is from, and professionally, I study TV production in UF, University of Florida. And that's so funny. We have the same background. That's my degree. Yeah, TV production. Yes. TV production. And I started um my my career at Nivision Network, the main network in Miami. Um, and then you know, moved to Mexico City. I've worked with um always, always, always programming by and for uh Latinos. So the US Hispanic audience, I got that firsthand, you know, in Spanish with Univision. And then in Mexico City, I worked for MTV Latin America. So as you know, being from Argentina, from an MTV Latin America, we program for the whole, it's not for US Hispanics, it's for all of Latin America. Yeah, all the time. Very different being in Argentina than it is being a Mexican, than it is being a Colombian, and just the way, you know, key words can change something completely, absolutely, right? Absolutely, absolutely. The sense of humor is different, all of that. So I learned how to like, in a way, speak to a broader community of Latinos in Latin America in Spanish as well. And then I moved to LA 
over 15 years ago to launch, be part of the creative team launching a channel that was called Mundos back then. It is now NBC Universo. It was part of Telemundo NBC. And that brought me back to like programming to Latino youth now in English and, you know, Spanglish um, in U.S. Hispanic. So I think once I became a mom and I went through, you know, the recession in 2008 and the writer's strike back then and living in L.A., that was very difficult. Um, I, I became a mom blogger. I really discovered that that was my passion. And my blog was for parents raising bilingual bicultural kids called Spanglish Baby. So always as a communicator, I just, I discovered a new medium and discovered it very early on. I started my blog in 2009. So I was an OG mom blogger, one of the very few Latinas. And I had this passion that I wanted to continue and it meant monetizing. And that's what led to what is now We All Grow Latina. I launched what um, there original name of the company was Latina Bloggers Connect. And we were the first company connecting Latina bloggers in the US with brands. So what you now know is influencer marketing, we were the pioneers in this space in the US Latina Hispanic space. And that grew, you know, we we grew what really I realized that what my passion was at the moment, I translated as this, you know, helping Latinas monetize our blogs and myself, but it was really about the democratization of our voices that this new medium brought to us, right? That I didn't need to work for this big corporate company to reach my audience, right? That we, and that it gave me a lot more say and control in how I would want to speak and understanding what the audience wanted. So now that, you know, 13 years later, the company now called We All Grow because our motto since day one has been when one grows, we all grow. Um, we have just, we we let go of influencer marketing. Really what we do is that we nurture a beautiful community of impactful Latinas at every stage of their businesses, of their careers, their lives, of you know, dreaming, um, of really the importance of for us of community is the coming together um, with the community and of the sisterhood that we call the Amiga hood of like like-minded women that can help you open doors that can bring connections, partnerships, opportunities, or maybe just a, this is possible, right? Let's dream together. Um, and that's really what we do at the Amiga hood, which is our app and our community. You can find it in the app store, um, is 25,000 members strong. It's a free Amazing. community. It's going, mm-hmm. it's the largest, largest app um, the community for Latinas specifically. So you'll find free events. I mean, the, it's free and you find free month, weekly events, everything from meditation to office hours with myself and my partners and the leadership team to um, um, healing sessions, mentorship sessions. I mean, across the board, plus almost a hundred circles of like, you want to find Latinas and with higher education, you want to find Latinas in Austin, you want to find Latinas that identify that, as LGBTQ. That's a, uh, it's that's all a- there. That's amazing. And this is something I I love what you said before, because something I live by that is like you cannot understand a community or until you understand what they laugh about. Mm -hmm. I live by that. Mm -hmm. Uh, It took me years to really understand. It's not even about speaking the language. Yeah. You understand what the community laugh about is that you really understand the values of those communities. That's so real. Mm-hmm. And I believe that as Latinos, we have experiences that they're cultural experiences, that even if we are here in the States or whatever you're in the world, those things connect us. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Those are, that's the fine thread, right? That I think that's why it's so hard for so many marketers that do not have 
a diverse group of Latinos in their team mm-hmm. um, and brands and et cetera, I don't understand really that fine thread that unites us because exactly. it, you, you have to be translate. It. You cannot translate. No. Translation no. doesn't work. You need to understand what the culture is about. Like, for example, I work with a, a, a car magazine in Spanish. The What... Latinos are interested in reading is very different than where Americans are very interested in reading about the car. Yeah. And even like U.S. Hispanics versus Latin American, you know, people that live in Latin America, we're not the same, right? Um, And within the United States, right, that we saw a lot in in the last elections and in politics trying to reach, are you reaching, right? If you're focusing on the Miami Latino, that's a completely different community than the LA Latino, right? And the makeup of it. So it really is about being immersing yourself in the community. Like you said, understanding what makes us laugh, right? Understanding what unites us, understanding the commonalities. And I think that's what we do really well and we all grow and why our, our Instagram, you know, is such a, and our community is such like a safe space for people because we just, we are it, right? My whole team is Latina, as has always been. And what we we just put out there what what happened backstage you know what happens on the slack channel on the water cooler channel with us right what we identify with what we gravitate towards and what we find that like you said that unites us yeah and it's not only about being latino latinos one part of it and it's only who you are as a person and your heritage but also we identify to being different things with the professional being a mother there are so many things that you can have in common yeah or as a difference yeah we still as history and for example we have our, our abuelas who cook similar things mm-hmm or that they have similar beliefs or similar even uh, wife tales. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I love that. I always try to translate uh, those Spanish saying in English and they don't make sense. Oh, no, <laughs> they don't. <laughs> so tell me a little more about creating a community, because this is what, something that is fascinating to me and is one of, I think is my keyword for 2023, uh, oh, com- community. Because oh, beautiful. Okay. it's just... Um, I believe that uh, you need to connect with your, I do marketing, so we sell product, we sell services, but nobody's going to buy any more if you don't create that sense of community and the trust and loyalty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thanks for mentioning your word of the year. Uh, My word of this year uh, was, is integrity. And I think that relates so much to how we build community and how we create community um we we really start with with the integrity that we want to live by and the values that we're inviting people to be part of as a community so i think it's such a buzzword you know and people want to have like the 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 easy access like what is the formula to create a community and have it have 20,000 people next, by tomorrow right um and because now it feels so easy to create a community in spaces like Instagram or social media, but there's a, there's a big difference between following and community. Very right? different. You can, mm-hmm. Following is a collection of people. Exactly. And following can be, you know, like I laugh at your memes, but yeah. I really don't connect with you, right? You can serve me 10 memes a day. And of course, I'm going to quickly rack up a following because those are shareable. Those are funny. But, but do people know what you stand for? Do people really connect with you as a brand? With it, is it a community or is it just a large following? We have decided. So our Instagram, I always say, could be five times bigger 
we've been on Instagram for a really long time, but we decide very purposefully that we do not do just, you know, memes or just like the clickbait kind of thing, because we want to build a safe space. Mm -hmm. So we want every single post to matter where you feel that you're being spoken to and that you feel that you can engage. And if you take a close look in our comments, you will hardly ever find trolls or negative comments, unless it's like topics that go viral that are, you know, the topics that there's just trolls trolling all over the place, right? But it is for us, community has to start with listening, deep listening, right? Deep listening yeah. and deep giving um, and welcoming people in. And then as they're there, continue to, to, to make them feel, you know, that connection between themselves. Because one thing, it's not, it's not you building a community so that you can sell to them. It's not building a community so that you can, um, you know, make asks all the time. It is building a community to give them a space where they feel safe, where they feel seen, where they feel they can belong and where they feel nurtured. And, and through that, they're going to be able to connect with others. Yeah, it's all so about that connection the, and belonging. They want to continue coming back. It's about all the, to me, I don't care about having five or 100 followers or 10,000 followers, a million followers. It's about connecting and engaging with my community. And about really, I prefer to have a smaller community, but loyal. And that it's the same as niching. It's like, uh, and I feel like this is a lot of, like a lot of products and a lot of services out there. They're trying to get so much that they're really not targeting to anyone. And I love that you have very clear uh, idea who is your target audience oh, absolutely uh, do you feel mm-hmm. like uh, in your target audience you have different demographics because there's a lot of differences between first generation Latino oh yeah so yeah how, how do you deal with that because I see for example uh something that is very popular what a lot of people think about uh Latinos they think immigration and I don't think that that's something that you deal mm-hmm. in the community mm-hmm. No. So we've actually had to draw the line in a lot of things, especially, you know, post 2016, when things, um, conversations online just became very political, um, very much uh, segmented. And we needed to understand because having such a powerful voice within the, within the, any community, right, gives you a sense of responsibility, or at least it should. And for us, that sense of responsibility was where should we, where should we be injecting our voice and where should we not? And because we were such a a big community of Latinas, we were being approached a lot by different, um, more civil engagement and politics and et cetera to speak up. And we did for a moment, but it never felt right in the sense of, yes, we will speak up when we, we draw the line where it's like, it's human rights, right? Where it's human rights. We will speak up, but at the end of the day, we want to be a place of joy. There, ha- there's enough places for you to get the news, for you to get, you know, to put your your viewpoint and politics where it may be. For us, we want it to be that safe space where you can come and feel joy, and experience joy, and experience connection, and experience belonging. Right? Um, we get. I think that has to be the basis of anything that we approach in our day to day life, and that's why healing and wellness and all that is so important to us. And we integrate that into uh, practically everything that we do. So the, our community is made up and we said, Spanish speaking only English speaking only um, Latinas, Portuguese, Latinas, indigenous Latinas that identify maybe just as indigenous and not as Latinas, but they still feel connected with us. 
Um, and we try to, you know, represent all of that Afro Latina. So we have a large community of Afro Latinas living all over the country. And we also have Latinas across the globe, right? Yeah, so I, as I tell you, I always identify myself as a Jewish Latina. Mm-hmm. Then you have an, another variation. Asian Latina, Jewish Latina. I yeah, mean, yeah. it's, and we need to make sure that everybody feels seen and you can't do that on every single post, right? So, but it is of like, how are we making sure that we are always mixing in mm-hmm. and, and having it, you know, as much as possible, everybody feel that sense of you're speaking to me. So one of our most controversial posts <laughs> happened a few years ago and it's happened twice every year. I don't know if we're going to do it this year again to see that uh, it was a post on during the holidays on tamales and like the different way that tamales are represented in different countries in Latin well, America. In Argentina, we don't have tamales. Exactly. But it's las ayacas, las no sé, los tamales de no sé qué, el nica tamal. Oh my, but we, it was a carousel. So we can only fit nine, right? In the cover. And then we're like, and tell us yours. The amount of comments that post got in people upset because we had forgotten the tamal from their country. Oh my God. <laughs> or the variation. Or do a post too, you know? Well, I really hope that this is your most controversial uh, post <laughs> forever. There, there's been others, unfortunately, of topics that we wish people were more receptive or an open-minded, but we live in the days we live in. Well, um, what do you feel like is your biggest challenge? right now in fostering this community? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, honestly, our biggest challenge is financial capital. And I think that's going to be usually the answer for most uh, Latina-owned small companies, small businesses. We are completely independent and self-funded. We don't have a penny of investment. All the capital comes from the campaigns that we do with brands. So that's always very challenging. You work in marketing, so you know that there. You know we have to be able to meet the our clients our brands or the marketers you know give them a return on their investment and and be able to meet their key metrics and their goals while making sure that what we're putting out there is serving the community it's bringing something of impact to them so whether it's a connection whether it's an event whether it's a grant whether it's an opportunity information you know it has to make sense for them if we had a better better access to capital that would allow us to just really create the content that we know that we need to be putting out there for the community. I think we would be serving them much better. But I know, I mean, not, Latinas were thrifty always. Yeah. We, we know we make, it how, happen. we make it happen. We know how to go and sew it. We culturally were prepared for that to, yeah. to fix it. And so, but you still make a lot of things happen. You have, Mm-hmm. A big event in October, for what I understand. Yes, we're calling it the Weekend Fest. It's our first year. We're bringing together two of our most loved one-day events, um, which is Last Founders, which is uh, a full day of um, keynotes and workshops and experiential opportunities for what we call women with an entrepreneurial spirit. So whether you already have a, a, a business that's thriving or you're thinking about launching one and just want to get inspired uh, by other women that have made it. Uh, and then we have Wellness Day, which we've hosted for two years, pre-pandemic, 2018 and 2019. And this was the very first space ever created, the very first stage and space created for Latinas in the wellness space. So we're bringing both of them together into what we're calling the Weekend Fest. But our most iconic event, our most loved event is We All Grow Summit, 
which we've hosted for six years with the two-year pause, um, 2020 and 2021. We brought it back last year. It was a three, it's a three-day event, but we have a, a bit in incubation mode right now. It really is what was our flagship, what made us really well known. It would sell out within hours, like 10 months in advance, and it would sell out in three hours. Um, but we, yeah, we decided that the way, you know, things are different now. Things are very different. Uh, a three-day conference is much harder to produce and for people to invest in than it was pre-pandemic. So we're just, we've decided to, to put it on pause and incubate it for a little bit and see, and see how we bring it back to life further down the line. Yeah, it's challenge. And I feel like even me, I, I go to a lot of conferences, but after the pandemic, I got like, do I want to travel so much? Exactly. And also we were experiencing mm-hmm. yeah, and the, the prices went up. So yeah. it's hard and a lot of companies don't have the budget also to support uh Ooh, we we felt it like the budgets we we were working with the same budget we used to have for the three-day summit last year and nothing. Flowers, wood, labor, everything is astronomical. So yeah, it's it's not the same. It's definitely not the same. It's not the same. So what's next? If you have a dream of what's next for we all draw Latinas, what will be the next thing? Really? Um, our next thing is growing the app, growing the community. We really want to, you know, we want to hit a hundred thousand Latinas across the globe and be able to super serve all of the all of the Latina hosts and mod- volunteers, moderators that we have in all the different circles, and just be able to super serve the community and meet them always where they're at. That's amazing. Anna, thank you so much for being with us today. This coffee break. Uh, I really respect and admire you've been doing for an underserved community. Gracias, Lara. Mucha suerte. Uh, And to you you guys, thank you so much for being here today in Coffee Number 5, and I'll see you next week. It was so good to have you here today. See you next time. Catch you on the flip side. Ciao, ciao.